Just a quick editor's note before we get started here. This is a pilot episode, and because of that, the name of the podcast has actually since been changed to Battle of Alberta Podcast. So if you'd like, you can hit us up at PodcastBOA on Twitter as well. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Berta Hockey Bros. This is the very first episode, sort of a pilot project, so it may go absolutely terrible, but if you're listening to it, thank you. We appreciate you very much. Uh, I'm Stuart Jones, and with me is... I'm Darren Platt. Right now we're recording this on Saturday, December 8th, 2018, at around 2.30 in the afternoon, so things are probably going to change by the time you hear this. But let's get started with some reviews. Do you want to go first? Yeah. Sports is constantly moving. They, they don't wait for our podcast. So the Flames are playing Nashville tonight. Are we doing a review of the season up to this point for our respective teams? Because I, of course, am a Flames fan. Yeah, I guess we should kind of explain yeah. what this is. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. So this is basically a time where two very uneducated and... Uh, but highly opinionated idiots talk about the two most favored NHL teams within the province of Alberta. Mm-hmm. The two only NHL teams in the province of Alberta. Sure, but I wasn't going to say it like that. No, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I'm from Edmonton area originally, so I'm traditionally an Oilers fan, but, you know, I love me some Flames too. Whereas Darren... Uh, yeah, I grew up around Calgary-ish and just have always been a Flames fan because that's the least depressing way to go in this province. <laughs> I thought you were going to say because that's the law in this area, but yeah. It's not. I know plenty of Oilers fans from around here. I don't know why they would choose that. It's like choosing... I, I, I can't even make a... I can't even make a comparison for that right now. Well, what's their age range? Because if they made that choice in like oh, that's, 86... That's fair. They are mostly older. You know, you know, before the Flames were around, maybe, 79. So they're bandwagoners. The Alberta Oilers, I don't know. They're bandwagoners that stuck with it. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about how the teams have been doing so far this season or just recently. So far this season sounds good because, what, we're a quarter of the way through? A little bit over a quarter? I think we're like 27... 29 games in. Haven't checked exactly. <laughs> this is going to be very educational podcast <laughs> with very many accurate statistics. For the Flames, it started off, the season started off much as all Flames seasons do, which is a uh, regular season opening loss. Just kind of just a fun tradition that we have. And then a uh, fairly mediocre first 10 games or so. Didn't really look like anything special. And it's ramped up dramatically. There haven't been too many lows or highs. There's, there was the 9-1 loss to Pittsburgh, which was a, a big low. And when I think most of the Calgary fans were like, okay, well, our team sucks and we're officially never going to win anything ever again. But as seems to be the case with those huge losses, because every team has those, like uh, Washington had a massive loss to Pittsburgh last year as well, I believe, or somebody like that. You know, every team experiences a horrible loss. It's not like Calgary exists in a vacuum. So they had this terrible loss. And since then, they've been absolutely <laughs> on fire. Stole my line. Oh, Yeah, and they've been on a tear. I think their last 10 there, 8-1-1, one, and one, I believe. They've won four in a row now. And lately, they've looked like absolute world beaters. First in the Pacific by not a wide margin, but they're slowly outpacing the other teams. They're playing high-octane offensive hockey for the most part. They're kind of like, uh, not Jekyll and Hyde. They're like Hyde and Hyde's cousin, Steve, who's also pretty good, because they'll range between high offense, bad defense games that they win because they just score more than the other team, or low offense, good defense games, like uh, their last game against Minnesota, which was 2 nothing, And you're like, well, they're not really, they don't look like they're very deadly, but they just completely shut down Minnesota. And the game before that was 9-6 in Columbus. So they're kind of, they're doing everything it takes to win. And they're looking pretty good. And they're looking like they'll make the playoffs and they could do damage when they make it there. Just barring a classic Flames late season collapse, I think we've got a good team on our hands. Over to you for the Oilers review. Well, I figured we can talk about both teams, right? That's fair. If you have anything to say about the Oilers, I don't know. I 
now that this podcast is becoming a thing, I will make an effort to watch them more. I have not watched many Oilers games. It takes a large effort to yeah. watch an Oilers game sometimes. I feel like I will just watch highlights more than anything. Completely fair. If there are any. Yeah. From what I've seen, highly McDavid reliant, as you would imagine. Not much depth. The Hitchcock change seems to have made a difference because they're on a bit of a winning streak. I don't know if they look like a change team or if they're just scraping out the wins, but as opposed to early in the season where it was looking pretty shaky, they're just they're stacking up wins now under Hitchcock, and I assume that he went to the locker room and like threatened lives and threw things, and now they're scared or something. But they're pulling out wins. I have no idea how with that roster besides McDavid, but they must be doing something right now. And they're on a bit of a bit of a roll themselves. Yeah, I think I saw uh, earlier today that McDavid has just under 50% of all Oilers goals this season. Or it might have been points. So again, here's my uneducated view coming in. But yeah, definitely highly McDavid necessary for that team. Uh, but what else is new there? They're 6-2-1 since Hitchcock showed up. Clearly that's good news? <laughs> question mark? I guess it depends if you're... Uh, fan of Torelli or not because if this makes Torelli look good then he's you know has less chance of seeing the door next offseason so if you're not a fan of his then maybe you you know would rather see this go poorly but whether the Hitchcock train will last who knows um, you know there's still lots of issues with that team Cam Talbot starting to warm up a bit more uh, but you know still not his best and you know they won last night with seven goals and still could not force Lucic to get a goal out of that <laughs> like the last five minutes of the game I swear it was like watching a beer league trying to get the the bruiser to score a goal it was <laughs> they were actively giving him the actively puck. giving him the puck in front of empty nets and he just cannot put it in so that's much too long for him not to be scoring to be fair I would laugh at that because I think that's a ridiculous signing, but the same, I mean, the Flames had nine goals against Columbus and James Neal didn't get a point in that game. I mean, I still think Neal's better than Lucic, but same thing applies. Like, how are these guys not contributing? Yeah, and, you know, maybe it's just a stroke of bad luck and, you know, once you break that gate, then everything will flow, but I don't know. I'd have to see that to believe it, I guess. As for the Flames, yeah, Eight one and one in their last ten, four win streak. Don't fix what ain't broken, right? They're, as you said, on fire for sure. Uh, and even like a month ago, I'd say Smith was their weak point, but now he's got what five wins in a row. And um, earlier this week against Minnesota, that shutout, thirty-one save shutout. You know, there it wasn't just easy saves either. There was some top quality goaltending there. So if he was your weakest link a month ago you're on a pretty good streak right now so not much to change that's kind of been a similarity between the teams though is pretty weak goaltending well honestly it's been very similar because the starting goaltenders have looked mediocre to bad smith and talbot both have sub 900 save percentages right now and riddick and koskinen have looked real good in their showings, which is interesting. Like, it's a mirror image situation between the two teams. Like, bad starters, good backups, but the starters have been established for a long time, so you gotta keep them in, but the backups are new guys and they're trying to push their way in. Like, it's it's exactly the same. But yeah, Smith has looked much better recently. He was put into that Columbus game, which counted as a win, but he still had a terrible save percentage and everything, but it was just a... I don't know if you can count that game against the goalies, because it was madness. Talbot seems to be climbing up towards 900, so I assume he's been doing better lately. I haven't seen the scores of their last games. I mean, he's 895, and when I looked earlier in the season, he's much lower than that, so he's been... Clearly, he's been climbing recently, which makes sense because they've been winning. Yeah, he's been starting to warm up, looks a bit more like his true self. But even last night's game, you know, a 7-2 win, Talbot has not much to do with them scoring seven goals, to be fair. And uh, at least one of those two goals was a bit soft. I think it was a redirect, but it was still uh, a little weak for a 
starting goaltenders at his caliber to be letting in. But speaking of goalies on the other side, though, that game against Minnesota, I'm sure the Oilers fans must have felt some level of catharsis uh, seeing Dubnik being pulled within 10 minutes of the start of the game for going uh, three goals on probably less than five shots. Obviously, everyone loves Dubnik from the Oilers' stance, but you know, for him to have left and then gotten amazing, that's got to feel pretty good to see that happen. What do you think of the backups? Because I honestly think that's an interesting storyline. I just looked up the stats. Koskinen has a 9.25 save percentage, and Riddick has a 9.19 save percentage. It was much higher. He's had a rough couple games recently, but 9.19 is still really good, mm-hmm. quite a bit above average. Do you think that either of these guys are future starters on these teams, or are they just a good, solid backup option that are making the most of their opportunity? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, I would say that like it's it's so early for both of them to tell if they can hold that kind of caliber to be starters. Both of these teams are such good offensive scorers. They're getting lots of high goal games, some magic working that makes that team go really well. And, you know, that's got to make a goalie feel good, too, which helps him perform better as well. So, you know, part of it's they're just in the right place at the right time, just kind of feeling a bit of that magic. But at the same time, you know, we can't completely dismiss their efforts. They are skilled goalies, and there's potential for starters down the road there, but it's it's such a long way off. It's really hard to tell if they can keep that kind of play up. What do you think? Mm, I think the cases are kind of different because Riddick is, well, they're actually both a little bit older for backups. Riddick, Calgary doesn't have anything lined up after this season because this is Mike Smith's contract year I doubt he's coming back because he's 37 now I believe like maybe on a one-year deal if he picks it up but I think Calgary's actually kind of hoping that Riddick remains steady and they can try him as a starting option or as like part of a excuse me part of a platoon maybe for next year and Koskinen I'm not sure because Talbot has been pretty solid he's not that old um hang on I have his stats up how old is Cam Talbot He's 31, so that's pretty, like, he could go for a while yet. Yeah, definitely the the teams themselves are in very different positions as far as yeah. goaltending outside of this year. So Calgary's probably hoping a lot for Riddick to be a solid goalie and maybe make him a starter, and Edmonton's probably just happy that Koskinen's being a really solid backup, so maybe they can take the workload off of Talbot because he plays a lot of games. Yeah, I wasn't last year he had, like, a ridiculous number of games. I don't have the stats in front of me. That's your job as of now. I'm dubbing you that <laughs> your job. Thanks. He but. played 67 games last year and 73 games the year before. Yeah, that that's ridiculous for any starting goalie. Like, uh, I think like Henrik Lundqvist is usually the the workhorse of the goal starting goaltenders, and I don't think he's come to that range. So that's absolutely ridiculous. So obviously, even though you know he is quite a bit younger than. Mike Smith, he can't can't keep that pace up like into your thirties. So, do you think that's maybe why he's struggling this year? Or is it something else? Like the workload from the previous years is just wearing him down. Uh, that's definitely possible. Um, you know, just an overall fatigue. Uh, yeah, that's that's a tough question because there's just it's really hard to see. Oh, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a goalie, so you don't know. Come on, man. Exactly. It looks exhausting, let's put it that way. (laughs) Playing behind the Oilers, not an easy job. Got to be easier this year. Do you want to do our sellies and scorn segment? Uh, Sure, if you've got something lined up for that. Oh, I can always pick on someone and praise somebody. All right, so just a quick description, I guess, of this, uh, the sellies and scorns. Uh, Each of us is going to pick one thing to celebrate from the past, however long since we last had a show, which is infinite amount of time right now, uh, and something that we just really want to rant about for a little bit. So go right ahead. My selly would actually be the Flames power play weirdly enough, because normally their power play is terrible, and it's been that way for a number of years now, I think. It's 
as for as long as I've watched, it's been infuriating to watch the power play because they just pass it around endlessly, and then you flip the channel and you see Ovi just blasting one timers and Stamkos blasting one timers, and now uh, what's his face from Colorado, McKinnon, blasting one timers, like and racking up power play points, and you're like. Isn't there anyone on the Flames that knows how to do a one-timer? Is it really that complicated? But this year, they're in the top 10 of the league on their power play, and they're not really a one-timer team, it seems like. They like to set up differently. Maybe they just don't have that ace-in-the-hole guy that can just wire it wherever he wants. But the biggest contributor to this, I think, has been Lindholm, because he ain't afraid to shoot. And it hasn't been like one-time blast from the circle or anything, but they pass him the puck in the power play, and I just kind of like rub my hands together. I'm like, oh, this guy's going to shoot it. And so far, he's, it's been working out great. Like, he's got a real nose for the net. I could talk about Lindholm for a long time because I love that trade and everything about it. To myself, I'm secretly saying I told you so to the millions of internet people. Okay, hundreds of internet people <laughs> that thought the trade was stupid. I think he's really turned it around. And they did bring in uh, Jeff Ward for, as an assistant coach who's like a power play specialist kind of guy. He's had top 10 power plays on other teams before, so probably that helped. I think that's a big selly for Calgary because, as we all know, special teams is a big part of winning. If you can get a pot, a goal or two on the power play in a game, your odds of winning are much higher than if you get zero most nights. So, Calgary's power play. Sally, for scorn? Honestly, there's not a whole lot to scorn on Calgary, but I'm gonna scorn James Neal, the easy target. I'm actually, I think I'm a bit easier on him than a lot of places, forums I read online, who really hate on him because simply because of his stat line, and they say, oh, he looks so slow out there, and he loses all the puck battles and all this. It's not quite that bad. It's not Troy Brower levels of bad signing yet. He, I think he wins a lot of puck battles. He's a lot bigger guy than I thought he was. He's like 6'3 or 6'4, which I didn't know. Personally, I think when you're bigger, it makes you look a lot slower because you kind of skate like upright and stiff. And like if you look at on the same team, for example, Jankowski is very tall and he looks slow. He's not that slow. And Neil is keeping up with guys fine, and I've seen a couple of plays where he grabs a puck and pulls away from people. It just looks, he just looks like he's skating slow. It's kind of like an illusion. And I've attended a couple of games this year, which makes it much easier to see puck battles and everything. And he does a pretty good job. Like he's he's getting in there and winning puck battles, and he forechecks really well too. I don't see problems with that. But they're paying him over five million a year to score the hockey goals. He's not doing that. And when you watch James Neal highlights, he's usually camped out somewhere blasting pucks on one-timers or something like that. So on the power play, why isn't he in a circle blasting pucks? Because he is on the second power play unit. When he's playing with his line mates, and I see him playing, and he's digging in the corners and doing all that, which is fine. You're supposed to do that as a hockey player. But he's never, like, camping out and waiting for his shot, which sounds like a selfish thing to do, but that's what he's good at. Like he's got Yeah, a, that's his job on yeah, the power play. He's got a wicked shot. He scores 20 goals a year, and he's being paid for it. And he's got, what, two or three goals this year. One was an empty netter. One was in the 9-2 loss to Pittsburgh, or 9-1 loss to Pittsburgh and he like knuckleballed it over the goalie somehow. Been kind of ugly. I don't think he's like a net loss for this team besides the, like if it continues on like this, then yeah, his salary's gonna be brutal, but he's working hard. He's trying, but he needs to get back to what he's used to because he's a veteran who scored 20 goals every year and he looks like he's trying to fit a different role. But that's not why the GM brought him in to be like a grinder and to be grinding for his teammates. He needs to get to spots where he can receive a pass and just blast it. That's his job, in my opinion. So that's the scorn. A kind of a nice scorn, actually. Yeah, I, I complimented say, him a lot, but he needs to pick up the goal scoring stat or he's going to get a lot of hate in Calgary. I can almost guarantee that that's going to be one of the most positive scorns. Yeah this show will ever see <laughs> it's gonna go downhill from here do you think that neil's like trying to take on a different role because he's he knows that he's you know aging he's moving on from what he used to do do you think he's intentionally looking for a different place to fit in or do you think it's just like hasn't quite 
found how to work his style into his line. If he is looking for a different role, he shouldn't, because I can't think of a role easier than standing and shooting <laughs> for an old guy. Uh, I think part of it could be his line, because he generally plays with younger players, because there's a lot of younger players farther down Calgary's lineup, so like Jankowski, Mangiapane, uh Who else does he play with? I think it's mostly been Jankowski and Dubé was the other one. He got sent down. So rookies and Jankowski basically are his line mates. So he's probably more used to playing with more established players that are going to feed him the puck. I think Jankowski should be really good at that because he's a very good passer, but they just haven't clicked yet. I've been thinking of what his excuses could be. (laughs) He's 31. He just signed a very long contract, a long lucrative contract on a new team. And he has been in the Stanley Cup Finals the past two years. So if you believe in the fatigue factor, he could be a little worn out and he could be conserving because he's older, he's played a ton of hockey in the last couple of years. He hasn't won the Cup in either of those years, so he must be very sad. (laughs) It might be the depression. But personally, like he's the big game battler type. Like he's a kind of dirty, sneaky dirty. Well, maybe not sneaky because everyone knows he's dirty kind of player. He's a big guy who likes to mix it up and emotional, kind of like Aginla Light, maybe. And I kind of feel like he'll heat up as the games go on. You know, kind of like a team that conserves. Because Pittsburgh's done that. Think of James Neal as like Pittsburgh. Because you know how Pittsburgh usually starts out kind of slow and you're like, yeah. oh, maybe they're finally cooling off. And then as the playoffs get closer, they just ramp it up into the playoffs and then they start basically taking the league at will. I kind of hope that he's like that where he's taking it easy at the beginning because he's like, I'm an old man now and I got my big contract and I don't need to kill myself for this team. And then as the playoffs get closer, he cranks it up production-wise, you know, trying-wise maybe. That's my working theory and what I hope is true, (laughs) that he's just biding his time. Because really, the Flames don't desperately need his scoring help right now anyways (laughs) they're doing perfectly fine but you know as these young guys maybe like the top line i can't see them sustaining this over the whole season because they would all have like 90 point seasons at this pace or something so maybe as they kind of taper off neil will pick it up but we'll go from there but i don't think i think it's still too early to worry he's been around a long time and scored a lot of goals so if you're panicking now, maybe just cool it. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree. I I think he's almost like, hey, everyone else is getting the goals right now. I can sit bla- sit back and, uh, you know, take it easy a bit. You know, maybe not fully consciously, but a bit subconsciously. He's like, yeah, you know, team's doing well. That's really what matters. And, yeah, I've got a long-term contract. I don't yeah. need to prove myself at this point. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. What's his real asset to the team is going to be is – in you know February, March, and April, and probably playoffs, uh, where everyone you know the younger guys who don't have as much playoff experience or l- even late season experience, they're going to be struggling a bit more possibly, um, and he's really going to have a lot of leadership to that team and to help them get through you know all 82 and then pass that into the as many rounds as they can go so i i agree he i think he's gonna prove his worth uh, a lot more than he has so far later on in the season yeah he's been in the playoffs i'm gonna go ahead and assume every year he's been in the league almost i don't have the exact playoff stats here but i mean considering the teams he's played for the the last Six, seven years, he's played for Pittsburgh and Nashville exclusively. And I can't think of a year where those teams have missed recently. So even if it wasn't every year, it would have been close to every year where he went, he was in the playoffs and went deep. Yeah, I I was going to say, Pittsburgh, every time they're in, they go, you know, relatively deep usually. So he's had long, long seasons throughout his career. So yeah, he's got three goals, three assists, six points right now. And his shot percentage, which averages... Looks like it averages to around 11% uh, per season. Is right now sitting at 4.2%. So you'd think that will come up a bit. It might not come all the way up to the average because it's, you know, 29 games into the season. It's kind of slow. He might not even get, he probably won't even get to 20 goals this year. But I think it's safe to expect him to at least score more coming up. And this contract will probably always look a little bad because it's a UFA contract and they just do. I think that he will live up to most of it 
for at least the first couple of years. And I hesitate to use the veteran leadership intangibles line because we had Brower and that backfired in so many ways. But, you know, he seems like the kind of guy that would be fun to share a locker room with. So with how often he's been in the playoffs, I think he's still useful even with that contract. Yeah, I I agree. I, and I think he was probably brought in, you know, for much more than his 20 goal year season. In fact, I would I would wager that a GM is, you know, not stupid to assume that a guy can keep that pace later in his career and that he was not brought in to score 20 goals a season, but rather to bring them through the later ends and, you know, be that veteran leader, but you know, intangibles. What are they worth, right? Yeah, who, like, how would we know? Commoners, filthy commoners. Uh, do you have anything about the Oilers that has surprised you a lot, even positively or negatively, on this year? Uh, <laughs> surprised me. Is there anything you didn't see coming at all? I am surprised, and this actually kind of leads into my celly, um, I am surprised by how well they've come out of the coaching transition. Uh, so yeah, my, my celly is for Hitchcock uh, because that usually takes a little while. Even though a change in coaching, usually you do see a bump, it takes a little while to get going. And it just really hasn't with them. Again, they're 6-2-1 since he came around. Whether that'll stick forever, who knows? But, um, well, at that rate, no. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, he has done um, quite an amazing job at really focusing a lot on defense, for sure, and puck possession. And, you know, there's stats that show that the goals for his first uh, nine games there have been substantially lower than the last nine or ten of McClellan's, but significantly more wins. So, you know, that's what really matters. So... Yeah, he's done an amazing job, and I, I'm i not surprised that he's been a good coach for them. I I thought, well, kind of brings me to my scorn, too. I didn't necessarily think that McClellan had to go. I don't think he was a huge part of the problem, but uh, if he did, I'm Hitchcock was a good choice to replace him. So I'm not entirely surprised that he's been doing well, but I am surprised with how quickly they've done well and how well they've done with that. What I got from the Hitchcock thing is that I think he suits the Oilers more for right now. I know they think of themselves as like a high-octane, high-scoring team, but that's because they base their whole identity around McDavid, and he is high-scoring and high-flying, but not much of the rest of them are. So I think Hitchcock really suits them in that they really need to slow it down and play a defensive game for the most part. And then when McDavid's on the ice, they can unleash hell. But when he's not on the ice, they need the other lines that are dragging around, like Cassian and Lucic and whomever. They need those guys to play a more defensive-minded game. And it's clearly working out because, you know, it might it might be a little more boring defensive hockey-wise, but they're going to get more wins if they shut teams down and then just use McDavid to do what he does, Just score all the time yeah absolutely uh and i think you know while those goals four have really dropped uh with hitchcock behind the bench uh i think that's a temporary thing i think that's because he's pushing to focus on the defensive side but once they get that figured out once a lot of those you know less defensive minded players and younger guys who don't really have a ton of experience on the other side of the puck once that's kind of settled down and really built a solid plan into their play uh, I think then they're gonna I don't want to say return to their scoring because then they'll lose that defense again but then they'll you know they won't be concentrating so hard on the other end of the puck they'll be able to just let loose again and have fun on the other side and score all those goals like again uh, the last game uh, 7-2 that's you know I, I think these stats were uh, the Hitchcock Oilers have scored a lot less goals was probably before that 7-2 game you know not a lot of those games were 7-2, but uh, so we'll maybe start to see a bit more of that pick up as well. To play good offense, I think you have to kind of build a defensive instinct to the point where you don't think about it as much. Because the Flames have had to do that, I believe, under Peters too, because last year they were defensively awful. And they had, they had basically the same defense core, who's really good, personnel-wise, air quotes on paper. 
but then under Peters, I'm sure he brought a different, slightly different philosophy. And for the first bit, they were mediocre in the season as they tried to learn it. And you kind of have to commit it to instinct because you, when you're thinking about sports, I think is when it goes all wrong. But when you got it down to instinct and it's a, a good instinct, like a good system, and then then it, you can just focus more on something like offense. You can get more creative when... You know, the puck gets passed crisply out of your zone after you shut the other team out, and then suddenly you got a transition break, which is what I'm seeing with the Flames a lot. They get so many, odd, well, not even necessarily odd man rushes, but really clean exits that sets up a good creative entrance. And the same will probably come with the Oilers if, if Hitchcock suits them that well. Mm -hmm. Then once their defense figures it out and gets it up to the uh, forwards in a good position, then they'll have more chances to score at least is what I think. Do you have any predictions for Nashville Flames tonight? And then after that, I think we should also do the Battle, the of, Battle Alberta, of Alberta, Alberta that's happening on Sunday. Uh, yeah, well, just in general, my predictions for the Flames is they're, you know, I don't think they're lucky right now. I think they're doing well for a reason. But that being said, the Predators are going to be one of their tougher opponents as of recent and probably one of the toughest opponents they're going to face for the rest of the month. So I basically think they're going to take probably seven of their 11 games in December. Uh, and one of those is probably, one of those losses is probably going to be Nashville. I, they're doing really well right now, but Nashville's doing better, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's definitely going to be one of their, again, one of their hardest games, uh, as of late and probably for the months, uh, especially now, um, uh, Geo suspended yeah. for two games and Backlund's out indefinitely those are two major pieces uh for the next couple games and prior to that i probably would have said that the flames were gonna beat the oilers at the in the battle of alberta on sunday but i think with those two missing and the flames coming off a of back-to-back -back against nashville it's much more of a coin toss now and with the oilers coming in off a big win they're feeling a lot better so i I'd think I would have to give the edge to the Oilers, which yesterday afternoon, I probably had the edge the other way. So that's how quickly things change, right? Well, I'm going to try to be as unbiased as possible. Predators are only one win ahead of the Flames, actually. They're 19, I believe they're 19, 8, and 1, and the Flames are 18, 9, and 2. And also, the Predators also have some key injuries. So they are missing Victor Arvidsson, who's their leading, leading scorer, Philip Forsberg, very good, Kyle Turris, who's kind of like backland for the Preds, and P.K. Subban, they're all out. Mm. And Pecorine has also been on absolute fire all season, and he's not playing against the Flames. It's UC Saros, who's also a good goalie, but Rene's been the one who's been lights out all season. So if you look at the Predators lineup, it's actually not that scary. So both teams are dealing with their share. But I think Giordano and Backlund out for the Flames is huge, especially defensively, because Gio's very good at defense. Backlund hasn't looked great on offense, but uh, if you watch him all around the ice away from the puck, he is a beast on defense. Like he, He'll follow his man around and just completely shut them down all the time. So that's a big blow. The Flames do have good depth, but... I think that losing those two players will hurt. I think they will beat Nashville tonight because Nashville is losing, missing a lot. Yeah. They're really missing a lot of key pieces. And they got taken out by Vancouver last night. So, um, Don't you think that makes them all the more uh, raged? <laughs> no, I don't really... I don't like predicting based on what happened before. Like, oh, they're so mad. Or, yeah. Like, I kind of think, you know, they're reeling from those injuries. If a team like Vancouver is able to put up five on the Predators, I think a team like Calgary can also take them down too. But it will be close. Both teams are really missing key players. And I do think the Oilers will beat the Flames because Flames will still be missing their two guys. Oilers have really been on a roll. Um, Riddick will be back in. For the Edmonton game and he has been shaky lately so I think that again will be close but considering the Flames won the first game which was also a close one and it's in Edmonton and Calgary's missing two of their top defensive guys including Backland who is generally tasked with shutting down McDavid and Giordano who's usually the guy that they would match against McDavid so considering those things I think that the Oilers will take it for sure it may not be a blowout by any means but I can certainly see the Oilers winning that one.
Yeah, I, I think both those games are going to be close but high scoring. Because, again, a lot of the defense is out and the goalies are out or inconsistent. Uh, so, yeah, th- those are going to be two really high-scoring but close games, I think. So should be a fun weekend. <laughs> yeah. The two players out doesn't really affect Calgary's offense that badly. Mm-hmm. I think, right. Because the top line's still there and everyone that's doing the scoring is still there. But the defense will be hurting from that for sure. So I think McDavid will probably have a big night. When doesn't he? But... He won't have Backlund breathing down his neck and Geo, which I assume are the two people he probably sees the most yeah, when no he kidding. plays the Flames. So speaking of that suspension and that injury, uh, going back to that Minnesota game, uh, did you see the the hits yes, that I, those are related to? Yeah, I did watch the whole game. Uh, I can't really disagree with the Geo one. He has a bit of a history of that. I don't think it's malicious, but yeah. I think he he knows he's getting beat and he's trying to get like the puck with his foot or something he just like instinctively does whatever he can to stop the guy and it's you can't stick out your leg like that i've seen him do that like two or three times and it's probably happened more because i haven't watched every single game but he's got to stop that habit because he's a really good player and leader and you can't get that reputation as someone who goes for the knee on knee that's a bad play yeah well and especially because as you said it's it's not malicious like you see as as soon as it happens he was apologizing to him uh, he, <laughs> no he wasn't did you see that <laughs> yeah yeah he, he was yelling it they were giving it to each other well at first he was like oh, right of, at the very beginning yeah like right as it happened like he like you could see instantly okay. he was when he started to fight back, okay, <laughs> you know he stood up for himself for sure. But uh, and I, I think even uh, in the penalty box later, he was trying to apologize because you're right. Like it's it's not like intentional. He knows it's very you know not yeah. good for a captain, a leader to be doing that kind. Of, well, not for anybody, but especially that. But yeah, if it, it keeps happening, it's you know it's. It's yeah. turning into a pattern. Nothing good is going to happen from you sticking your skate out. Even if you get the puck, you're going to take the guy out. Like, if he's going to do that anyway, the desperation thing, he might as well just can open or the guy with his stick or, like, really hook him down or something. Because at least that's not suspendable. It's a penalty, but he's not going to... And you're much less likely to injure the guy, yeah, too, right? Too. Like, you know you're taking a penalty. Take the penalty then, yeah. but, you know, try not to injure Don't look like an idiot by doing it. Yeah. That and... Uh, I have a hard time with the Dumba hit. I don't don't think it was malicious, and Kelly Rudy made a really good point on the broadcast defending Dumba Mm -hmm. because he said that was pretty much the only play Dumba had to limit Backlund's options was to hit him because otherwise Backlund would have just that second more to dump it out and possibly on net, which was empty. So I think the right play for Dumba was to hit Backlund. Uh, It kind of looked like he jumped, and Backlund was really low. So I don't like that wasn't the malicious hit either because he had his elbows in and everything like that also not malicious but i do think that he should have maybe got like a slap on the wrist or like at least a penalty for that like a i don't know what penalty that would be honestly maybe a charge yeah i was thinking a charge like a minor charge not a not a suspension or a fine but and then the lomberg one is just a matter of an actual rule i believe because he was it's something to do with line changes yeah, in the last... Yeah, he, he got sent out, like, that yeah. second and went straight for him, right? And, yeah, like, uh, I agree. I think the hit wasn't malicious. It probably was his only option. It did seem a bit extreme. Yeah. Maybe he didn't need to jump into it as much. And, you know, I've heard a lot of talk about how, well, do you really need to be putting that big a hit that late in the game? Yeah, that's my very first gut reaction was... Is it really necessary to smoke a guy like that when you're almost definitely going to lose? Yeah, so so I I would agree. There's you know probably not suspension worthy, but yeah, kind of surprised he didn't get at least a penalty for it. But you know when it happens that quickly and the refs watching a lot of things, you know I don't necessarily blame that. But yeah, then the air quotes fight afterwards in response that was I uh, like that was a not cool to be jumping the guy like and 
you know, I know he quotes turtled, right? But I don't really, I didn't, I, like I watched the clip a few times. I didn't really see it so much as like, a, oh yeah, I hurt your guy, but I'm not going to fight you. It was more like, a, oh my goodness, a player's on top of me. I guess I should protect myself more so thing. So. A comparison for an Oilers sake would be uh, in the Oilers Flames game, uh, I believe Kachuk. I don't know what Kachuk did, but he's Kachuk. So Kachuk someone, did Kachuk. Yeah, someone went after him. Uh, I believe it was Lucic. Did Lucic go after him? That sounds and, about right. And uh, Kachuk turtled because he didn't want to get a penalty. He was a critical point in the game, and he's a good player. So Unlike Lucic. Yeah, so, yeah, he turtled, and either Cassian or Lucic piled on him swinging. So do you see a comparison in the two instances? Uh, yeah, I... I don't think, I guess I'll start like this. I'm pretty much against all fighting in hockey. And I know, I know that pretty much writes off. Everyone just turned off yeah, the podcast. Everyone listening to me is just like, well, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> um, you know, I, I love seeing the passion in the players when they're ganging each other's faces. I, I want them to be competitive. I want them to put everything they got into it. But the whole idea of oh, let's remove some of our equipment so that we can box on the ice. Just makes no sense to me in any professional sport, even boxing at this point. <laughs> like, it's the 21st century. Can we move on? So the idea of almost feeling, for a player to feel obligated to go do that when your McDavid gets hit or something like that, right, is it's a, it's a very weak point in the game. And so no one... And there's so many of those instances where the guy, the other guy has to turtle because he just made a you know relatively big hit in a relatively split-second decision. He probably doesn't even necessarily know who he's hitting. Just, that guy has the puck. I'm hitting him. Oh, crap, that was McDavid. Here comes a Lucic train. And, you know, all the only option he has is to protect himself. So I'm a very controversial person in the world of hockey, probably. But, yeah, I, I think that's ridiculous that that the guy lying on the ground protecting himself while being pummeled from behind is the one that everyone looks down upon. I kind of agree. Well, I mostly agree with you because I've never understood the attack someone immediately after they make a hit, uh, a big hit, because big hits are part of hockey. Yeah, it happens absolutely. all the time. So keep playing. And I get that you just saw your teammate get absolutely leveled and you want to do something to... Write down his number, right? Yeah, exactly. I think we need to edit, like start editing out the part of hockey where you need instant retribution or else you look weak. Yeah. I think you need to take it to that guy for the rest of the game. Like Give him a hard time along the boards, maybe get a good, huge, clean check on him somewhere along the line, make him look stupid on a goal, like, yap at him all you want, call his mother ugly, I don't care, but... Like, don't jump a guy right... Like, don't stop the play every single time right after a big hit just because someone made a legal hit. Yeah, well, and not only that, how many times have we seen a huge hit where there's a potential injury and your teammate comes over to quote-unquote defend you and, you know, potentially makes the injury almost worse? Like, probably kicking you while you're down, landing on the guy because you're fighting the guy that's on top of your injured player... Like, we've seen that way too many times in hockey for it to be considered a legitimate move in sports. <laughs> so Lomberg's suspension was warranted then, I think, in both of our eyes, because, A, it just, I believe it breaks a rather obscure rule about t being two minutes left in the game and a line change. Well, yeah, um, Boudreaux um, even said, like, that guy's not showing up on, in the last two minutes of the game, no matter what the score is. So the fact that he was on the ice is clearly just malicious. I believe that was the second game of the year and yeah. Lomberg ain't gonna get more than five goals a year in the NHL so that and um, just the fact that he literally skated right off the bench and basically jumped on Dumba and started pummeling. Yeah he, he was sent out exclusively for that reason and, and you can't blame him because I'm sure he was told oh yeah well like, and that's, that's why the coach was fine too right yeah. for that it's all in the same rule but yeah, and it was at the very end of the game, so maybe the retribution for the rest of the game can't be upheld, but I would imagine that they will be playing again this yeah, year. Yeah, you're playing Minnesota again. And Dumba's, gonna, Dumba's probably going to be the focus. They won't forget that, especially if Backlund's out for a while, because he has had concussions, so that could be 
That could be kind of bad for the flight. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it's just the the idea of, of going for that guy immediately just makes no sense. Like you were saying, there's this projection that you're, oh, well, if you let anyone hit your superstar, then your team is weak and the next team's going to come hit your superstar. Well, no, there are other ways to show that we don't let you hit our superstar. We're going to hit you later. Yeah. We're going to, you know, make sure the rest of your game is a living hell legally and safely. And we're going to score on you. You know, there are so many other ways than just I'm going to stop the game of hockey to curb stop Attack you. you. <laughs> yeah. I'd much rather see Lomberg annoy Dumba for the rest of the night. Like, put him on for the last 45 seconds or whatever, but just have him follow Dumba and, like, yell insults at him. That'd be way better than jumping him. And, like, as every time he touches the puck, like, just poke him. And if he gets anywhere near the boards, just, like, bear hug him into the boards. That would be much more fun than jumping him, in my opinion. Lick his face, maybe. Yeah, or, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's totally legal still, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone considers doing that. Yeah, that's... That's another story, but I guess we'll move on from there. Yeah. News from around the league? There's not always news, but I feel like this week with the new Seattle team being potentially, well, not being, being announced and being accepted as an expansion team, I feel like that's worth some discussion. Do you have uh well, like, first off, I, I'm assuming you're pro-expansion. Yeah, I don't In like general. the league being at 31 teams. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> 31 is ridiculous for sure. What about the fact that Seattle, any pros or cons to that over, say, a Quebec or Houston or another Ontario team? No, I, I think that Seattle will be a good base because it's close to Canada. They have a history or at least a strong hockey base there because they have, uh, excuse me, they have a couple WHL teams in the area, I believe. Uh, are the Everett Silvertips set in the area? Um, man, I'm going to seem like an idiot now that I just brought that up and I can't back it up. But I was going to say, as soon as you said WHL, I just nodded. Pacific yeah. Northwest, uh, there's like the Portland Winterhawks, Everett Silvertips, stuff like that. And I believe there was, a, I, there was an article up that I did not read. So, you know, <laughs> I'm still going to reference it. But they were talking about will, how badly will Seattle impact uh, the minor leagues in its area. So there is a hockey presence there. And, I mean... I've heard that Seattle's been clamoring for a hockey team for a while. They're a big city. They currently only have the two professional sports teams, one of which is the Mariners, who why would you ever cheer for the Mariners? They never do anything right. And the Seahawks have had their glory days, and they're kind of on the downhill now. So I think entering Seattle would be a big hype point for them. It's clearly a great sports city because the Seahawks are kind of, their stadium is known as an absolute gong show to play in because of yeah. all the fans. Beautiful place. Um, climate, <laughs> climate's a lot better than in Arizona, for example. So yep. it's a little more conducive to hockey. And considering how, how it seems like there's not that many Western cities where you can place a hockey team viably right now, yeah. I think it's a good fit to round out the Western Conference. And it kind of gives another spot because one thing that comes up a fair amount if you're really into hockey is travel right. for western teams is pretty brutal especially like teams coming up to western canada and stuff and seattle's another stop and i think that would help a lot of travel for the pacific definitely teams. even it out a bit more yeah. yeah pacific teams and eastern teams coming over instead of making the gruesome western canada road swing or whatever they can tack on seattle to that and then it's you know it's a little more worth it i guess Mm-hmm. and the travel's a little bit better and then you know you can balance out the having to visit Edmonton and Calgary to <laughs> visiting Seattle which is probably much nicer so I'm very much in favor of it plus it's just so much fun expansion drafts and oh, the, yeah. the scheming around that and getting to see how awesome or horrendous the new names and jerseys are that's, yep. that's all fun so I am 100% down for it yeah so uh, just a few little things about the news that came out with it they had a 650 million dollar expansion fee which was basically 30 percent more than vegas's 500 million fee from only a couple years ago i so i think that's interesting enough like vegas has basically made it look so easy that the nhl is charging more now because bill daly said that that change in price was due to inflation and the specific market of the team so a, they see Vegas as 
a much higher risk than Seattle. So you're right, there's a ton more hockey already in Seattle. And B, like I said, Vegas just made it look easy to put together a good team, a fun team, a winning team, and a profitable team. They're already in like the top third of teams. And a fan base. Yeah, exactly. You'd think a a hockey fan base would be hard to come by in Vegas, but they pack that place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, because clearly that 30% has nothing to do with inflation, despite Bill Daly's statement, because the past three years has been like 5% inflation tops. They're starting in the 2021-22 season. So that's quite a few years from now. That's a longer break than Vegas had, but that's because they are doing some renovations to the new or to their existing stadium. The year that it's supposed to be done, the 2020-2021 season, that the stadium should be done by then, but that is probably when, let's face it, we're going to have our next lockout. Because <laughs> oh, okay. uh, the, the CBA expires... The last year of the CBA is going to be the Seattle's first year, uh, but the league and the Players Association have the option to opt out in September of 2019, right? So, so yeah, uh, they basically said, well, put it off another year to let Seattle in because we're not going to be playing hockey for most of that year anyways. It's like they're resenting the fact we just know that we just have these every seven or eight years now. But yeah, and uh, like you said, they're going to be in the Pacific Conference uh, and Arizona is going to move over to the Central Conference. Mm-hmm. So now there's eight teams in every division, right? That, that would even it out. finally evens it out. So an interesting theory I saw um, was that Phoenix moving over to Central is a precursor to them potentially moving to Houston instead of Houston getting an expansion team. Uh, of course, Bill Daly immediately squashed that and said, no, these things have nothing to do with each other. Um, there is no talks of Houston right now. But... Do we believe that? It would. I think it would make more sense to move Arizona to Houston. I mean, it would be within the Western Conference, yeah. and it wouldn't be that big of a geographic change, but Arizona just isn't making it work financially. And the team is looking better than yeah. it used to. It's still not exactly a contender, but it would be a team that you could viably move and it would get a fan base because it does have some good young players. Yeah, I, I agree. I just wonder, like, what is really the difference between phoenix and houston like obviously they're they're very different cities but is houston that much bigger than phoenix that they're gonna get i believe houston is the third largest metropolitan area in the states and i believe the stadium would be uh, allegedly it is an excellent hockey stadium because there's minor teams that play there okay and i've heard from broadcasters and people in hockey just on interviews and stuff that it's actually a fantastic stadium to watch hockey in. Like, it would be one of the better stadiums. And it's in the city, as I believe... As opposed to Glendale? Yeah, yeah. As believe, we That's all fair. know Glendale was just a horrible idea to put the stadium there. It's out in the middle of nowhere, and people have to drive to get there. So, I mean, right off the bat, you may not have a huge fan base in terms of amount of people, but everything's more accessible already. Mm-hmm. And there is a ton of people in Houston... And they have a minor team there, I believe. And they have somewhat of a hockey past. Because I believe there was a Houston team way back in the day in the WHL. Okay. I have to take your word for that. The WHA, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't know. People that are a lot more plugged in than me have suggested that it would be pretty successful off the bat due to a number of factors. And it's just huge. So, you you would get, I think, a lot better than phoenix right off the bat yeah yeah that that makes total sense and uh yeah i'm just playing a bit of devil's advocate for sure and i would definitely see that a a relocation would probably be their more likely way in than another expansion at this point again another thing that bill daly said was you know there's no magic number for teams in this league but no north american professional league has expanded beyond 32 Mm -hmm. uh so it doesn't seem like they would move you know bring in any more unless they they would have to bring in like a small group of them the next time i think instead of moving to again a 33 or something it's almost like you jump from a 32 to like a 36 is really you know kind of your next logical step so which doesn't seem likely especially anytime soon there has to be an endpoint for expansion for a number of reasons for example thinning out the talent pool of hockey at some point you're going to (laughs) start 
running out of players that can feasibly play in the NHL and it'll water down. I don't know when that point is, but that'll have to happen. And then fan bases that follow teams. And the NHL is the smallest income-wise. has to be the smallest professional sports league in North America. So yeah. just in my mind, how does it make sense for them to have the most teams but the smallest amount of support in North America? Yeah, well, that's exactly it. They're basically hoping, well, if we get more cities, we'll get more people, right? I don't necessarily know that that's you know universally true. I bet you a lot of people in Seattle right now are already watching hockey you know they're canucks fans or something right uh a lot of people in houston are probably all the ones who are going to be watching hockey are probably already the ones watching hockey now i'm all for growing the game if you can make it work you can make it work and if anybody can do it it's Bettman because he's been doing it for the past 25 years and as much as we like to you know boo him yes <laughs> loudly <laughs> that's a much nicer thing that i was gonna say so yeah <laughs> um yeah how much of that is really gonna work just by creating new stops along the way i don't know but 32 seems like a pretty good number for now i guess we'll yeah. see where it goes from there any favorites for the seattle names that you've seen spinning about online or least favorites ones you've hated kraken the kraken or krakens i don't like the uh non-plural team names for any yes. sport not a fan it just sounds wrong no matter what it is some teams can get away with it like miami heat because they've been going for a while but also heats doesn't really work yeah, it doesn't work but the seattle krakens yeah it, it's like, definitely the best name but it has to oh, be yeah. plural it's yeah. gotta be the kraken seattle kraken sounds like a you know women's basketball team or something not but, that we don't fully support women's <laughs> basketball that's just how they're all named unfortunately that and esports yeah. All these sports are like that, and their names are ridiculous. But uh, I think Kraken's is coolest. You could get a, such a kick-ass jersey out of that. That'd be so cool. Um, and anything like sea-based, like they had, I think some of the things that came up were sea lions or anything like that. It's Seattle, and they've got the Seahawks already. So I think just maybe just lay off that that uh, trend of naming. Yeah, you, you, you don't want a consistent theme throughout your city. Uh, I mean, you could if you're really proud of that, yeah. but you can you got to draw the line somewhere, right? I think I think Krakens is the most solid choice. Pretty much everything else I saw was weak to downright terrible, but I'm sure they'll come up with more options one way or another, whether it's fan vote or whatever. I would prefer I to see. I hope that. it's not a fan vote. Yeah. Well, was Golden Golden Knights wasn't? No, that was a. Uh, no, I don't think so. That was a picked out by the ownership group which did a good job so yeah they they didn't want to do a fan vote there because everyone was picking for like you know aces, uh, or, aces or jokers or blackjack yeah anything and they're like no we don't gamble here <laughs> yeah. in vegas no that's not a thing no <laughs> what, what are you talking ridiculous. about that has to stay here <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually that that makes me wonder if you know the whole legalizing of sports gambling that's come about recently if vegas was coming in to the league a bit later if they would have been less afraid of that stigma if that would have changed how they approached that those game, would have been cool names most yeah. of those but i can i can see why like it's not hard to see why they shied didn't, away from didn't want to and again you know it's kind of like the seattle thing like okay yeah vegas is known for gambling we get it but can we be known for a hockey team too that's not about gambling yeah, yeah what, we'll, what were uh, your what were your calls for names oh definitely the krakens is uh, again none of them like wow that's sold it for me right none yeah. of them really jumped out but the krakens is the best one i saw um some terrible ones uh cougars i saw was just like you know i'm not one to put a dirty spin on everything but like they gotta know what they're getting into when they i mean we're recording this at mru and we're the cougars so yeah. yeah. I'm so proud. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> uh, and uh, the Rainiers, I think it would be how, like, basically, like, it's rainier outside than it is normally. I saw that out there. What does that mean? Like, you know, it's raining more than. No, but that can't so be what it means. Maybe not, but that's all. I just saw it spelt out R A I N I E R S. 
That's got to be something there must historical. Be, there must be some other meaning to it, but either way, it just sounds terrible. Okay, yeah, because if casual fans, like, we're not even that casual. We're, we're closer to, you know, serious fans don't understand what the crap that means and maybe don't go with that. Uh, yeah. Uh, now watch, it's going to be some very important Native American Rainier history or something like oh, that. Oh, Mount Rainier. Okay, and Rainiers are considered... <laughs> Wait for it. Rainiers are considered a premium type of cherry. All Rainier right. cherries, and there is a Mount Rainier sure. in Washington. Yeah, but you can't, they can't all be the mountain, right? Yeah, and Rainier is a type of cherry that was developed in the 50s at Washington State University. So well, it's like a Washington thing, but it's a very lame one. Yeah, I take none of what I said back in that case. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the Seattle cherries. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. That's it. That's all I Just got. Just Krakens. That's your only option, Seattle, is Krakens. Now that you brought it up, like, hello? Imagine how good that would look on a jersey. Yeah, no kidding. Um, well, so we've kind of done some predictions for the next couple games anyways, especially for the Battle of Alberta. But I figure since we probably won't be recording in until January, do you feel like throwing out a number for how the Flames and Oilers are going to do for the rest of December? Uh, Flames have 11 left. And the Oilers have 10. Looks like the Flames have a pretty good mix of divisional and a couple Eastern games. A lot of games against the Central. So I think they'll do pretty well. I'm still holding my breath on how long Backlund's out for. Because he's a pretty important piece. Not offensively that much anymore. But defensive shutdown guy. He's a big deal. And Frolik is still out. And he's also a very good defensive player. And Gio will be back. Giordano will be back soon. So that won't, I, I don't think that'll affect us too much. So I see the Flames continuing on. They might take a bit of a hit. They'll probably get into more high scoring tilts with Backlund out. I think that will affect that. So with, would you say 11 games left? Yeah. I think they'll probably pull something around. Uh, are you wanting a specific one so we can go how bad? Yeah. Okay. Give us a number and then we'll see in January how well we did. Okay. They've been playing really well, so I'm going to give them an 8-3 and three for the rest of December. Just glancing at the schedule, they don't have anything particularly hard. Like, they play the Jets and the Lightning. Those will be hard games. Um, but they got Blues, Wild, Star well, yeah, Blues twice. The Blues are terrible this year for some reason. Wild, yeah, Stars, okay. Canucks are falling off the face of the earth. Bruins, Red Wings, these are all beatable teams for the Flames. And they might drop a couple of those. So I think 8-3 is pretty safe. And Oilers, you said 10 games. Just going to, you know, do a quick old Google. This definitely won't get edited out. Oilers schedule and really just number of wins we don't have to say whether it be like ot loss or anything like that no That's, those don't count right uh, yeah exactly goodness okay oilers well you know what <laughs> it's kind of nice that the flames and oilers have they have very very similar schedules schedule, basically yeah. yeah so a lot of the same teams and the oilers have been playing well unfortunately i haven't watched their highlights or anything as much so i don't know how sustainable it all is or anything but given that they're playing much better and given that their opponents are roughly the same as the flames i'll give them a a seven and three for the rest of the way because they have been playing well i don't see it dropping off dramatically and their opposition isn't that isn't that strong yeah i uh you are only slightly more positive than I am on both counts, I think. Um, basically, uh, I originally had the Flames at eight as well, but again, with Geo out uh, for two, probably, you know, two of their toughest ones in the month, uh, and Backlund out for probably more than that, uh, I've kind of dropped it down to seven. I think they'll take, yeah, they're, I'd be surprised if they won either of those games coming up against Preds or Oilers, definitely not both of them, and they've still got a couple of tough games in the month too, like the Bolts and the Jets, just as you said, but but other than that, fairly easy month, so yeah, I think they're going to get seven uh, out of it. Uh, the Oilers, as you said, they're on the rise, they're you know doing well now, and as always, they have a very similar schedule to the Flames, so, you know, fairly easy teams, but I don't think the Hitchcock success will keep at this pace. I think it'll drop off a bit, so I think they're going to probably get about 6 out of 10. So you're just one win below me on each. I'm yeah. a little more optimistic even for the team that I hate with my soul. Yeah. That's, 
we'll just use that as a benchmark for how unbiased I'm trying to be. Oh, very, very noble of you. Yeah, I would love them to go 0-10, but they have been playing well. And Hitchcock, I feel like if you have a bad game, Hitchcock probably takes you into like the concussion cry room and beats you with a meter stick or something. So. Yeah, probably right. Yeah, I, I would love to see either those teams prove me wrong with like a 10 and 0, or, but uh, yeah. Not well. We're still from Alberta, and we both cheer for these team or teams, so we got to. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Our souls have been defeated over yeah, the last well, 10 like, years yeah, or so. There's there's confidence, and then there's just stupidity, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, we got to get ourselves out of our expectation of mediocrity. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much all I had. Um, potentially in future episodes, we'll have a segment of like the mail bag or mailbox or something. I've been listening to a podcast on the Unabomber, so maybe we can hold off on that until I stop having nightmares. All right. Well, it won't be like real mail. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have a physical address. But I was going to say, if anyone is still listening to this, we will figure out a way for you to get in touch with us. We should set up a Twitter or an yeah. Instabook or whatever. Okay, we're going to do that. <laughs> Just <wrote> that down. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll try that right now, and then we'll edit back in some addresses or something that people can... Yeah, we'll chop it in yeah. right here. Boom, that was the chop sound. <laughs> Uh, and then, yes, we'll do that. Uh, other than that, I think that's pretty much it. Special thanks to Mount Royal for letting us use their little yeah, it's a audio recording beautiful room. little audio production room. And the fact that we figured it out in about 15 minutes, half an hour, and it's actually recording audio is pretty stellar. Yeah, we'll have to listen to it to see if it all worked, but, uh, I think we'll be fine. You bet. Well... Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Alberta Hockey Bros. We hope it was informative. Well, let's we hope- face it, it won't be informative. <laughs> let's hope you enjoyed that time you wasted. And you didn't get angry at your audio device. That's all we can really hope for. Sure. If they're angry at us, that's fine. Yeah, and took but it don't out. take it out on your phone. Don't take it on your audio device. Signing off? We need a sign-off. We'll come up with that along with the Twitter handle, how about? <laughs> right. Thanks for listening. Bye.